Well, glory to God. How you guys doing? <laughs> well, I've got a, I've got a message today, and it'll be. I think it'll go pretty smooth. But you know, let's just talk for a minute. <laughs> it's great to. I love our town. God's doing things in Menominee. You know, Holy Spirit is touching lives, saturating people, changing people. Betty was said to me during the break time, you guys all know Betty? Yeah. And uh, she said that uh, she, she'd experienced the healing in the last bit of time here. And, and she said it was kind of like Mary, what she was sharing out of the word, you know, the ankle deep and the knee deep and, you know, waist deep. And all of a sudden you're saturated, you know, and sometimes that's how God will work. Step at a time, but we keep moving forward. You know, don't quit. Don't quit. You know, the answer's there. Keep moving. Praise the Lord. Where was I going to go? I was going to just say, you know, <laughs> you know, we believe in the Holy Spirit at Love Church. And, and, you know, there's nothing like walking through life with the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and don't shut him out. We need him. We need him. Jesus said we need him. We need him. He said it was greater, it was better that, that he go away, that the Holy Spirit would come and, and help us. You know, we're a word church. We believe in the power of the word, and we're a Holy Spirit church. Praise the Lord. Don't get weirded out if you ever see anything like you don't understand. Just wait a while. I have a good friend who is on staff at a quite large church in Minneapolis, and this friend of mine, he's a very stern guy, but a very loving guy. But he's no, I'd say this, he's no nonsense. And he was in a meeting at this church. And they had a, the guest minister is somebody I, who I know of. I've been in his meetings before. And he was quite wild. Quite wild. And he, he just would work with the Holy Spirit in quite unusual ways. That I've really never seen anybody else quite like that. But... This guy was on the back of the church. And again, there's a couple thousand people there. And nobody's hearing him. And he was kind of put off by it all. And he said to an usher that was standing by him, he says, you know, I don't like any phony baloney. I like the real macaroni. <laughs> and when he said that, he just marched up the aisle. You got to know my friend. It's Vern, if anybody ever met Vern. And Vern just went up there, and, and uh, he was going to just prove this guy to be a fake. So all, there's all these people getting prayed for one after another, and people are falling under the power of God. And the guy comes to Vern, and he looks at him in the eye, and he said, I'll come back to you. And he goes down, he prays for a couple other people, and then he comes back and he looks at Vern in the eye and he says, I can tell you're the kind of guy that don't want any phony baloney. You're after the real macaroni. And he went, Psh, the guy in Vern went flying. <laughs> I guess what I want to say is that God is big enough that he'll show himself to you. He'll make himself known in your life. Don't run from him. Let him show himself strong in you. All right. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 is where I'm going to start today. Okay? Somebody says, oh, I've heard that verse. I know it. I've, I've got a plaque in my house. And I was thinking that too. Because, you know, I mean, we've quoted this verse. Don't ever get with the word like that that you're so familiar that you think there's power in this verse. There's life-transforming power. And uh, it fits just where we're going today. It says this, and in, in, it's probably one of the only ones I read out of the NIV, but I, I'm reading it out of the NIV because I like the way it said it. It's the thing about Bible translations. Some say, well, what's the best one? You want to know what it is? Read the one, read it in the Holy Ghost. Read it in the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I've got favorites in all kinds of trans, different translations, even the Living Bible. Got a few favorites. But here's what it says in this verse in the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If I was going to put a nutshell, I'd say don't belittle the things God said to you. Don't belittle them and don't let them go. I know how life is. You hear things from God, and at first you're all excited and you go, yeah, woo, woo. And then time goes on, and it gets further and further from that time God spoke to you. And you think, where is that? Where has anybody ever had a word spoken over you that's yet to come? There's things God's spoken over me and me and Dana that I haven't seen yet. It ain't over, folks. It ain't over. And I'm telling you these things today to stir you up. I can tell you numerous things in my life that I've felt like that, and they have come to pass too. Wasn't always in my timing. You know what my timing is? I want it now. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Sometimes there's a lot of Molding and shaping that takes place from the time that God speaks a word to us until the time we see it in its fullness. And, and don't, don't run from that. Paul, don't run from that. Online, don't run from that. Let me say a few things. You're, you, you, say me. You were created on purpose. There's a purpose for your life. The devil is so mean. He beats people up. He beats everyone up. Tries to tell you that your voice doesn't matter. Your supply isn't great enough. You've missed it. You're a loser. That's the devil, folks. He's trying to keep you from being who God's called you to be. You know what? God isn't saying that to you. God's rooting for you. Oh, but I've missed, you don't know, I just fell on my face the other day. You know what the Bible says? It says a righteous man will fall seven times, but the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. Don't be focused on your failures. Keep your eyes on Jesus. God's a master at revealing his plans to us. What we need to know when we need to know. Um, 
I was reading face, no, I was Instagram the other day. You ever read people on Instagram? This was my wife, so I have to read it. I got to make sure she's, she's on, in, on board and in line, you know? <laughs> I love you, Dane. <laughs> this is what she said. She said, life is more of a scavenger hunt than a race around the track. You ever find that true? I have. So when you feel aimless and life feels pointless, remember your north and redirect every random step back towards Jesus, who's the author, who's not just the author, but also the finisher of your life story. I love that. That is a Bible verse in case you wondered, but it says he's the author and the finisher. It's, it's good to get a good start, but God is into also finishing, finishing. Psalm 126, I just want to read this one to you. It says, uh, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we're like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. You know, that's, that's what it's like. Don't ever quit dreaming. Dreams will put, a, put laughter in your heart. They'll pick you up. The devil would try to squash dreams. But I tell you what, if you're alive and breathing air today, don't quit dreaming. There's, there's good days ahead. There's good days ahead as we walk with him. It says, and our tongue was filled with singing. And the that they said among the nations, the Lord has great, done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we're glad. That's Psalm 126, 1 through 3. You know, I, I have dreams, you know, lists. There's people that I'm believing for, for salvation. You got that? You got people that are like, like you're just believing for their, the turnaround in their life. I mean, I can't control people, you know. The world would be in trouble if I could. I can't even sometimes control Paul, you know. I'm working on that. But, but there are people that I, I lift up to God regularly, and I'm believing for their salvation. And I don't quit. Sometimes I see appalling things when I, because I follow these people online, and I think, oh my goodness. But then I think, no, God's moving. They're just closer than ever. They're closer than ever. Don't be fooled. I didn't give people a clue when God was talking to me. People would talk to me about the Lord, and I just had this look that would, you know, just stare them down and act like nothing phased me. And all the time inside, my heart was beating, going, oh my goodness, He's after me. You guys know, I called my dad up. I said, Dad, quit praying for me. It's really bugging me, really bugging me. And call up Uncle Carl and Aunt Nordy and tell them, don't pray for me anymore. <sighs> what a fool I was. My goodness, you know. I didn't understand the things of God. I didn't understand that that was like saying, sick him to a bulldog, you know, saying, whoa, waving the red flag in front of the bull. They're going, whoa. It was, my days were numbered. Maybe you're believing for revival in the city. We've been believing for revival in this city since God told us to come here. I remember walking the streets. I used to walk. When we first, you know, God first showed us we were going to come to Menominee, you know, it took a few months for us to transition. It took a few months to get an ad to put in the paper and it took a few months to find a place where we could even meet. But I'd come here from Minneapolis. I'd come here every week. And I'd just walk up and down the streets. You know, you saw that crazy guy 23 years ago walking by the lake there. That was me. And I'd be just praying in tongues, 
walking down the streets, taking authority, you know, saying, Jesus is Lord, you know, over this city. Tell you what, we haven't given up. God's moving. God's moving. I, 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 it's interesting. I, I, somebody came up to me last week, and, and uh, they're not here today. I don't see. And, and, but they were just in tears. And they said, this is the most sweetest person. And they said, you know, we've been coming, I've been coming to church for a year. And my life is totally changed. And I was talking to Dana about it. And I was saying, you know, it's kind of how God seems to move here. It's kind of like this slow burn that happens. And it's all of a sudden you look back and you go, oh, oh, look what God's done. Look what God's done. He does that with me too, you know. He's working. He's working. You know, what do we sing that song? Just when, when we don't even see, I can't, just can't even tell you now. When we don't see him, he's still working. Yeah, where's Kayla sing that song? Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Those dreams, those glimpses that you have, they're important. Don't give up because you haven't seen it in a week, a month, a year, five years. Ephesians 2.10. For we're his workmanship. Say, I'm his workmanship. Say, God don't make junk. Says, you are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Dana said it this morning. There's a book written about you. You know, God knows your life. He has a plan for you. Now, you know, he doesn't make you walk in that plan. Do you know that? How many know that's true? You know, he had a plan for me, but I, you know, it took 20 years before I even said Jesus is Lord. You know, but all the time he had a plan. He sees the end. We have to choose to, to walk it out. We have to choose to say, I'm running that race. And I know you, you're a bunch of bulldogs too, and you're going for the gusto. You're running this race. You're taking all that God has. Why would we want any less? Were, you, were any of you guys ever sinners and wanted everything that was out there? That's how I lived. And I thought, my goodness, if I'm a Christian and I'm following God, I want everything he's got. So much better. You don't get disappointed. The disappointments don't come from God, okay? I mean, I find with him that things are always better than what I thought they were going to be, you know? And, you know, in the world, what I found is that I'd think, look forward to things and I'd get there and it was like a disappointment. But with God, it's like, wow, that was better than I thought. Friday night was better than I thought. And I thought good things, but it was better. I told Pastor Stephen yesterday, I said, I, I said, we haven't even begun to hear the stories that have rolled in. You know, I could tell you a bunch right now, but I'm not going to go there right now. Um, God was moving. God was moving. I ran into one of the pastors that was there yesterday walking through the Menominee celebration, whatever, was painting the town, yeah. And he was like, wow, yeah, I saw so-and-so getting baptized. I know the story behind that. It was a young, young woman, and, and he says, my goodness, God was moving, you know. I mean, I don't know the stories. I didn't know half the three-quarters, well, maybe half or three-quarters of the people that got baptized. I didn't even know them. Praise God. I only knew two that were going to get baptized. <laughs> but but uh, I knew some of the ones that did, others that did. But I mean, before the event, I knew a couple. Hebrews 12. Are you with me this morning? You're following here? You know, this is just an encouragement. And I've got a 
we're going to get to a point. I've uh, really that would spark the whole message was something I was reading a week or two ago, and and God just highlighted it to me, and I said, "Wow!" But anyway, in Hebrews 12, we're building up to it. Enjoy the journey. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Or let in That's the other trouble when you read a bunch of translations. You know, you, you start quoting three, four different ones at once. Anyway, I'll read. <laughs> let us. I, let, I used to go to this church when I was in Bible school. I used to go to this church. You know, when I went to Bible school, when I went to Rama, it was so early in the whole ministry that they didn't have a church. So we went to different churches. We, you know, you're hearing the song right now. We used to walk between the classes through the mud on, on two-by-fours because that was the pathway. That was me. And, and so I went to this church, and the, they kind of promoted Bible translations, and the pastor was like a guru of it all. He would he'd go search them out in bookstores, and at the back of the, 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 in the foyer of the church, they had a table every week that he had all these crazy Bible translations that I'd heard Kenyon quoting and Hagen quoting, and so I'd just, I'd take my money and I'd buy those things, and the pastor one day says, well, you can always tell people from this church, they quote the Bible in 20 different translations. Anyway, that's kind of where I came from. Let us, uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Say, I'm running the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author, there it is, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You see, that's where discouragement tries to keep people from running the race. It hits our soul, okay? Your soul is like, you know, a battlefield. One, one person said that. The mind is the battlefield. But your soul, between your ears, is the biggest fights you'll ever fight. You know, thoughts, thought warfare is real, folks. You know, you're running your race. You, you see the prize that's set before you, but discouragement tries to come by way of, you know, wrong thinking, wrong thinking. As we grow, that's one of the things is you, you spend time with God and spend time with God in the Bible, in his word. You begin to see what right thinking is. And then what happens is when wrong thinking comes, and it comes to everybody, I don't care how strong a Christian you are, if you've walked with God for 30 years or whatever, I'm telling you, wrong thoughts will try to come to you. And what, what, where Christian growth happens is you've, you've spent enough time with God and in his word that you begin to see a clear shot of what is right, and then you know how to reject the wrong thoughts. I'm not saying it's always easy, but I'm saying it works. It works. Um, all right, I've got another one here too. This is talking about this race that's before us. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul said this. He said, I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight, and I finished the race. He said this towards the end of his life. He said, I've kept the faith. You know, that's the thing I want to say when I get to the end. I've fought the good fight, 
and I've finished the race. I didn't get off at the 11 mile mark. I didn't get off, you know, just before the finish line. See, my father-in-law used to run marathons. I can't remember how many he's he's ran like, man, I don't know, way over 30. And when he was turned 50, he, he ran 50 miles. They have a name for that, I forget, but anyway, he did that. So as, a, as part of the family, we would sometimes attend marathons with him. And we would eat spaghetti on Saturday night. If the marathon was on Sunday, we'd eat spaghetti at, on Saturday night, which was our duty. And then, uh, then we'd get up early in the morning and we'd be at the starting of the race and we'd cheer him on when he started off. And our, our pattern was that we'd meet him at the 11-mile mark, and we gave him honey water. Honey water is really good. And we'd give it to him, and it would give him a boost. And we knew that from the 11-mile marker till he got to the 26-mile marker, we had a chunk of time. So we'd go eat a big breakfast. We'd go eat, you know, a grand slammer at Denny's or something. And we'd get plenty of time. We'd get to the finish line. And we'd stand there and root for everybody that crosses that finish line is a champion, let me tell you, folks. And he had marathons down, you know, in his prime where he was running just a few minutes over three hours. And, but we'd be there and we'd cheer him on. And as soon as he'd cross the finish line, we'd run to the, the, the food tables and we'd load up on pizza. I discovered haagen bars at a Twin City marathon. I didn't even know what they were. And, and I was sticking them in my pockets and bringing them home. I said, Daniel, these are amazing. I've already had two. Check one out, you know. Then I, reali- then I started realizing how, <laughs> what was in them. <laughs> I'm the only one that ran a marathon and gained weight. <laughs> but I didn't quit. I got all the way to the end. And that's what we want to do is get to the end of our race, too. And, 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 and uh, all right, I've got a story coming up. And uh, Proverbs, let me read this first. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. He shall direct your paths. And so what I'm telling you today is that God is so cool. He's so faithful. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with these things that haven't come to pass yet. And know this, that he's faithful. Okay? He's faithful. If he said it, take it to the bank. All right, Luke 5. Here's my story. You ready? So it was in Luke 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, let me just tell you this. This is early in Jesus' ministry. There's a couple things that had happened. He'd turn, had the water turned to wine. He'd, he'd healed some folks. He'd cast the devil out of somebody. A couple things had happened. Word was spreading about Jesus in his ministry, okay? So much that crowds were coming out and pressing to hear what this guy was going to say. Something was going on. And uh, so he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon. Now, Simon, if you don't know this, Simon is just, it's Peter, okay? You guys remember Peter, the, the disciple, later apostle? You know, early on, his name, they called him Simon. It changed later on. Just like Saul was Saul, and he became Paul, and Abram was Abram, and then he was Abraham. Well, Peter, they, he went to Peter later on. And uh, so he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, 
And Jesus asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down in the boat and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Well, there's a bunch of good sermons we could preach right there, but I'm going to keep going. There's some other things I want to show you today. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all the night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they'd done this, here's the, here, number, verse 6, it says they caught a great number of fish. Can you say a great number? Great number. And, and it says, and their net was breaking. And so Peter, called Simon in this story, he signaled to his partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. I want you to just think about that. You ever been fishing? How many fish does it take to, to sink a boat? It takes a lot. This is like, you know, we talked about this last week, how God is into overflowing. Overflowing. He's not a little dabadooya God. He's an overflowing God. Okay? He overflows. So here is Peter and, and his other partners. It's John is the other one. And, and, and uh, I forget the others. But, but they, their boats are beginning to sink because of the enormous, extravagant catch of fish that following Jesus' command, you know. And at first when Jesus gave the command, Peter began to reason. He began to say, hey, we, we you know, I'm sure he was thinking, hey, we know this game, you know. We are fishermen, and we fished all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it, you know. That was Peter. So when this happened, I, I love this in verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You know, some miracles are so specific to a person that it shakes them to the core. Now me, I like fish, but that wouldn't shake me to my core. But Peter... This was his game. And Jesus met him right where he was at. Have you ever noticed how specific God is? That he's got your name, that he knows your style. He knows your shoe size. He knows your hat size. He knows exactly what makes you tick. And he knows what's going to get to the core of your heart. This is what got to Peter. It got to his core. He fell down. He'd been with Jesus already. He was there when the wedding, when, when they turned the water into wine. But here he is out here in the boat. And this miracle was so, it hit him so hard that he fell down at Jesus' feet. And he says, man, depart from me. Sometimes, too, you see a miracle of God like that. And I don't care who you are. You can feel like, my goodness, I don't know if I'm worthy. The holiness of God is real. And, and, and who, would know, who would guess, Brian, that it would be displayed by fish? You know? God's into fishing, I guess. Well, then he, he, he goes on in verse 9. He says, For he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. 
And here it is, also that were with him were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. And here, here, listen to this. Now, Jesus said to Simon, he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. You're going to catch men. So they brought their boats to land, and they forsook all that they had, and they followed him. Now, that's what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, you saw this catch? He said, from now on, you're going to catch men. From now on, you're going to catch men. Now, now, take note of this. Have you ever had a word from God come to you? I mean, I've had words come to me. I've had, you know, most times when God has spoken words to me, it comes like a thought into my mind. That's the most common way. You know, I, a lot of times I've been just praying. Many times it's like when I'm praying in tongues, thoughts come into my mind, you know, and God's speaking to me, you know. Um, I love that we've moved the time back to 12, 12.30 on Sundays. I it was 2 p.m. 2 p.m., anyway. <laughs> Set your roast accordingly. But, but I, remember, I remember, you know, you, I haven't told this in a long time, but, but you know, I was a, a single guy down in Haiti. He was a missionary there. And, and uh, I used to, I, I was looked at it as such a great opportunity because I'd gone to Bible school and I was working with this ministry and we, we started a mission down in Haiti and our goal at that time was to have a Bible school and that was me. I was the lone missionary who went down there back in, 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 at that time it was 1984. I'd been down there since 1982 on frequent trips with the ministry and 84 I moved full time and I just, just you know, whatever, took off and went. And, and uh, I was teaching in the Bible school every day, and usually on the weekend, on Sunday, I'd preach in one of the students' churches in their home, and, and it was great. And every day before school, I would just, there was this long hallway. Some of you have been down there, that mission in Haiti, and in the upper room there, up, up second floor, and I would just walk back and forth. You can't even imagine that I would walk when I pray, but I do, and, and I used to drive my mom nuts when I'd be on the phone as a kid because we had those corded phones, and I'd tie the phone cord into a knot by the time I was done. But anyway, I was just praying and talking to God and, 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 and praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was praying about the message I was going to teach that day, and God spoke to me, and he says, Paul, you're going to get married. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> and I just kept praying in tongues, and then I said, well, I, I started to reason with God. I said, well, my goodness, God, I said, I, I don't know anybody down here that I'm even remotely attracted to, not that there's not nice people down here and everything, but it just wasn't like, like I had, you know, chemistry with anybody like that. You know, what, what's going on? And, 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 and I, he didn't say anymore. Has the God ever been like that to you? He tells you one thing, and then, then he doesn't say anything for a bit. So it was my practice, and I did that every day. I'd walk up and down this hallway, and I'd pray in, in tongues because, you know, I'd run out of understanding, and I'd just pray in tongues over the, the, the classes that were going to happen next, you know, and I'd pray, and usually about a half hour or so, and, 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 and you know, maybe a week or so later, I'm, I couldn't tell you exactly how many days, but, but again, he told me the same thing. And, and I said, well, who, 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 who? And he told me, he says, you're going to marry Dana. And, and Dana was a friend of mine. You know, we were friends back home. And, and, and Dana would write me letters, you know, quite good. I wasn't a very good letter writer. 
still am not real good, but, but you know, I'd answer them. And, and it was strictly, you know, there was not like a boyfriend-girlfriend type relationship. And I, then I argued with God again. I said, well, man, I don't want to get weird with this thing. I don't want to break up a good relationship. You know, is, are you sure this is right? And, you know, and it was kind of stirring in me. This doesn't sound real romantic, but I'm just being honest with you. This is how it was. Sorry. It got real romantic as we went on. And, and, and uh, you know, so time went by, and, and Dana was going to this church that the pastors of the church were Terry and Carrie Nelson, and they were the people that were the head of the ministry I worked for. And, and, and Dana one day, um, Dana one day is talking with the pastor's wife, Carrie, and, and said, what do you do if you know who God wants you to marry and they don't know it? Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not telling anybody in here to follow my example. You follow God. I'm not preaching some doctrine. I'm just simply telling you how it was with me. In fact, if you think you know who you know God has for you as a husband, I'm telling you what, you better walk it out gently. You'll scare, you'll scare something out of him if you go up to him and say, yeah, <laughs> want to put him on the run, start doing that. But, you know, when God does something, he works things out. I mess things up if I get too involved. That's me. So, so anyway, she told the pastor's wife, and then she thought, oh, and she goes, oh, my goodness. And she's, the pastor's wife said, well, who is it you think you're supposed to marry? And, and she says, well, it's Paul. Apparently, two years ago, we were in a Bible study. Watch out what happens in these Bible studies. You know, we're, she's sitting in there, we're minding her own business, and, and uh, God told Dana, she was a new Christian, and she said, you're going to marry that guy over there, and she goes, him? <laughs> and then she'd start praying for me, and we, you know, we were friends, and uh, God continually told that to her. Anyway, when, one time then, Terry and Carrie, the heads of the ministry, they came down to Haiti, and, and uh, when everybody was out on a mission, uh, I was back at the, the mission headquarters there, and I had an office there, and uh, Carrie said, hey, can we talk? And I said, sure, and she says, well, is God, who's God dealing with you about? You're dealing, he's dealing with you about some girl? And I said, yeah, actually he is, and, and uh, you, know, you know what it's like to be a single guy in your mid-20s, and you're in the ministry? I'm telling you what, I had more people try to match me with people. <laughs> I'm serious. It was almost like Anyway, whatever, whatever. I like girls, but it was just like people were just, oh, you'd go to a church and, oh, look at this secretary here, you know, and I'm like, well, it's nice, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Carrie knew that, too, because she'd, she'd been around, uh, you know, we'd worked together, and she says, well, who's God dealing with you about? And I says, well, it's Dana, and she says, well, God's told her that, too. I could tell you this, that I literally walked out of my office that day, and I think I floated 10 feet above the earth. And, and I went for a long walk because that's what I did in Haiti. A lot of times I'd go for walks every day. They all knew me in the neighborhood. I, I was a walker. I still am a walker. And, and my goodness, I, I don't even remember touching the ground. I was like, wow. So I called Dana up, or I had her call me because I couldn't make a call out very easily. You know, long story. But uh, I, had, I sent word back to, send, to have her call me on Sunday night at 11 o'clock. And uh, I remember at 11 o'clock, the phone rang. It was Dana of all people, and I answered, I said, hey, I said, hey, I need to talk to you, and she said, what's up, you know, in her mind, just thinking, oh, that, he's going to tell me to take a hike or something, and I said, hey, would you, would you marry me, 
She said, what? <laughs> I said, would you marry me? And she said, yeah. And we spent the next hour planning our wedding and how we we're going to tell people and all this stuff. Um, well, so look at the logistics of this. God tells me I'm going to get married, and I'm, I'm living in a foreign land, and my wife's up in Minnesota, of all places. How's that going to work? God can move heaven and earth. And what I'm saying today, I'm not saying to go put your eyes on, you know, the cutie down the row or anything like that. I'm saying put your eyes Put your eyes on Jesus. On Jesus. Speed through that. We got married five months of the day from then, and I took her down to Haiti with me, and there we were. So, praise the Lord. Um, all right, so Jesus spoke to Peter. This was not just a, a thought. It was not an impression. This was Jesus speaking right to Peter, and he said, Peter, from now on, you're going to catch men. Right after a miraculous overflowing catch of fish that sunk two ships. From now on, you're going to catch men. Well, I've read Peter's life to some extent. I've read the Gospels. And I didn't see this happen in Peter's life in the next day. I didn't see this happen in Peter's life in the next week. I'm not saying he wasn't effective in any way, but I'm telling you, based on the story that Jesus, you know spoke to Peter from, I didn't see that result in his life. In fact, I saw things like, you know, one time Peter spoke up and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. What would go through someone's mind at that point? Well, Jesus said I was going to be a catcher of men. Right on that day when my ship sank, I caught so many fish. Man, and then, then it goes on. I'm not going to list everything that we find about Peter, but, I, you know, there's a, quite a list. But the, probably the most significant one was, was started in the garden when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. And Jesus said, pray with me for, for a spell. And Peter fell asleep. And it's, it says his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. You know, and then they came and they took Jesus. Before this, Peter had said to Jesus, hey, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. I'm with you, buddy. You know, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my master. I've given everything to follow you. And, of course, we know the story. They, they go and they question Jesus. And what happens is Peter denies Jesus three times. And when that happened, you know, and the cock crude and crowed, crude, crowed, and Jesus looked at Peter and Peter went out, and what did he do? He went back to fishing. I wonder if the words of Jesus hadn't come to Peter, like, you're going to be a fisher of men, and maybe the failures flooded Peter and thought, I've had more success just fishing. But Jesus didn't leave him in that place. You know, he had to die, go, you know, be buried, raised from the dead, then he finds Peter. I love that, that Peter, Jesus can find us wherever we're at. And when Jesus found Peter, he restored him. And then 
you know, I'm fast forwarding, but Jesus ascended up into heaven. And what do you find? I find Acts chapter 2, a significant time. They're all in the upper room, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He comes upon all of them. They're all speaking in tongues. A great crowd assembles. Basically, they don't know what's going on. Peter stands in the midst of them and boldly proclaims the gospel. And you know what happened that day? His ships got filled to overflowing to where they began to sink. I don't think that scripture was really fulfilled that was spoken way back at the beginning of the Gospels until the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached the word. But it came to pass. It came to pass, and then it came to pass again and again and again. But what I'm telling you today is don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up on what? On the words that God has spoken to you. Spoken to you. All right. One important thing. Romans 10, 13. This is what it says. It says that whosoever, do we have any whosoever's in the crowd today? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Whoever. That means anybody. It means whoever you are. It means I don't care what you've been. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I care about where you're going. Okay? And right now, I want to just pray with everyone and just do what I did back in 1977. I prayed and I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I asked him to come and be in me, to live in me, and to make himself real to me. And I'm telling you today that if you'll pray this with me, if you've been, maybe you've been far from God, that can change in an instant, like Dana said, in a nanosecond. Okay? And the Bible says this, that, that anyone that calls on his name shall be. Can you say shall be? He shall be saved. Shall be. There's, there's a confidence in that. There's a surety in that. There's no messing around here. We call on the Lord, I'm telling you what. He's faithful to deliver you, to save you, to heal your body, to set you on the course that you're destined to walk. So, I'm going to just pray a prayer basically saying I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. They rose from the dead that I, I want to take hold of what he, he bought and paid for me. So we're just going to pray it together. Can you pray this with me? Say, Father God, thank you that you love me. You care about my life. I believe in my heart. Jesus is the son of God. I believe he died for me. He was raised from the dead, that he lives forevermore. And right now, I take a stand. I receive the free gift of salvation. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Help me to know you better every day I live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that here, you pray that online, I'm telling you, I welcome to the family of God. You're...
If you don't have a Bible here in this room, you go out to the shelf, the, the shelf, the counter afterwards, and there'll be somebody there that'll put a Bible in your hands. It's important, you know, uh, that you read the Bible. You know, just start, start, you know, in the Gospel of John probably is a good place to start. Read about Jesus. Read about, you know, who he was. And then read on into Acts and into the epistles. And, and just let God speak to you. Before you read, just pray and ask him. Say, Lord, show me something in your word today. You know, and every day, you know, it might not be fireworks going off, but I'm telling you, what, do you do that for a while? I'll tell you what, the word will start working in your life. It'll, it'll change you. It'll transform you. You'll, you'll, be, you'll look back and you'll say, who was that person back there? You know, as you go down the road, I'm telling you, it, I, I know this from experience. It works. Talk to him. Talk to him every day. Talk to him like he's your best friend. Don't get mixed up in some, you know, speaking some poetry when you pray. That's okay. If that's you, do it. But I'm telling you, just be real with God and pray and talk to him. And then uh, get into a good church, too. This is a good church. If you're online, I'm telling you, if you don't live in the area, you find a good church that preaches from the Bible. And be, plug in. Be a part. We need each other. I'll tell you, there's a strength in standing together in this day that we need. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person here. Thank you again, just like Pastor Stephen prayed, for the people's lives that were affected Friday night and for everyone today that was affected. I thank you that you're working, that you're the author and the finisher of our faith. It ain't over. We're walking with you. Thank you, Lord, for being real to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. However you tuned in today, why don't you subscribe and maybe share with a friend. Yeah, and if you're in the area, we would love to have you join us in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here in Menominee, Wisconsin. Also, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us financially to help make this all possible. And you can do that at wearelovechurch.com. These are great days to be alive. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. We love you. See ya.